0: AgriTalk is brought to you by full scale from helena grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from full scale at reproduction and by propane propane is the energy for everyone especially farmers environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm see how at propane.com looky
1: there grains are off to a well let's call it a decent start with the fundamentals just a little too weighty for the cattle complex presently. Uh, this morning, we're going to talk jobs, economy, the Fed, aid packages, spending packages, whatever else our panelists find interesting or of note. Live from the closing lapse of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk This morning, it's our Friday for -for all with panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. And directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm in for Chip this morning. It's me, the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. 48 degrees and cloudy here in the city of Fountains. I hope you have woken up to a lovely day wherever you might be. Grateful to have you along for the ride so much to talk about this morning. I only understand about half of these concepts that we're going to talk about. Uh, fortunately, we've got Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio and pro-farmer policy OG Jim Weismeyer along to elucidate some of the stuff for us. Aid packages. You know, one of the things I want to talk about, this aid package. All right, so we, the House passed a bill that's going to send some funding to Israel, but it's just an individual aid package. And apparently we... Uh, congress prefers bundles these days we'll find out if that's just going to be the way it is or if it's an old trick or what we got going here exactly with all the funding packages and oh by the way uh it's november we're only two weeks away now from that november 17 deadline when the government will fold in on itself financially unless something is done i wonder where we're at there i bet jim can give us some insights and uh prime minister of canada justin trudeau came up in the news this week um, this something to do with with national climate policy and the heating oil was mentioned and home heat and all this sort of stuff Sean Haney's around he'll he'll uh, throw in perspective all over the place I'm sure but on this one especially what is the deal with Canada so we'll have all of that and much much more my strategy um, if you've been listening for a while in these situations just make these guys talk they are super smart. Super up to date on what's going on. And so uh, I'm anxious to see what, uh, what this conversation will yield. Stick around. But first we've got to, uh, report on some news where we've got a USDA daily export sale. 131,150 metric tons of soybeans to unknown for 2324. Uh, unknown, usually China, although not always 131. 1000 metric tons sold for 2324 The National Weather Service expects the Great Plains to warm up this weekend several rounds of moderate to locally heavy precipitation will continue into portions of the Pacific Northwest Northern Rockies and Northern California this weekend into early next week a bit of a reprieve from this cold I don't know if you can call it a cold snap more of a cold bend I mean to me to me a cold snap and I envision like Things breaking. You know, it's not quite a cold snap until something breaks. So we'll call it a cold bend. Whatever you may call it, some relief is ahead in the coming days. And it's uh, once again time to fall back this weekend. Love it or hate it. Daylight saving time ends for most of the U.S. at 2 a.m. local time. This coming Sunday, that's November 5, daylight saving time returns on March 10, 2024. It's time to fall back this weekend the house on thursday cleared a 14.3 billion dollar supplemental funding bill for israel the move has ignited a a partisan dispute primarily along party lines due to its inclusion of an equal cut to tax enforcement funding at the internal revenue service house speaker mike johnson defended the offset from the irs describing it as an effort to restore fiscal responsibility Johnson has reportedly told Senate Republicans he will not accept grouping aid to Israel and Ukraine. So when we talk about uh, the, the bundle approach, so far, new Speaker Johnson is not interested in that bundled approach. Sustainable aviation fuel leaders are pressing the Biden administration to modernize its carbon measuring model for the biofuel. They say that's key to winning tax credits to attract needed investment. The biofuels and aviation industries want the administration to apply the Energy Department's so-called GREET model rather than the old model to measure full life cycle emissions of sustainable aviation fuel and make it eligible for credits. Nebraska's
2: Adrian Smith comments on the old model. I'm told that because this model is somewhere between 10 and 15 years out of date, U.S. grown corn and soy do not qualify. If U.S. grown corn and soy don't meet this modeled standards, the sustainable aviation fuel produced from them would be ineligible.
1: We'll get more from our panel on this and the GREET model. In other news, in October 2023, the U.S. economy added 150,000 jobs, marking a significant slowdown compared to a downwardly revised figure of 297,000 in September and falling below market expectations of 180,000. The report highlights a gradual cooling of the labor market with several strikes, including those involving UAW members, having an impact on manufacturing payrolls. The unemployment rate in the United States increased to 3.9% in October, slightly exceeding market expectations and the previous month's figure of 3.8%. That's the highest jobless rate since January 2022. House Speaker Mike Johnson said Thursday that Republicans are considering a new approach to stopgap funding that would extend pieces of current appropriations for different time periods, effectively setting up a series of funding cliffs while avoiding a single deadline that could trigger a partial government shutdown for all agencies. And finally, House GOP efforts to find billions of dollars in savings to help reform Title I safety net programs will go nowhere with Democrats and will be blocked in the Senate, according to sources. And with that, let's bring in Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. Jennifer, Good morning. How are we?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: Outstanding. Um pork demand is is sort of seen to be struggling just a little bit. I would love it if you could if you could share an example, maybe two, of how farmers are reaching out to consumers successfully.
3: Well, certainly, you know, pork demand, we, we saw such great things happen during the pandemic. And now as things have kind of shifted down, I mean, it's, it's something everybody's talking about and we'd like to see it be better. But one of the things that um, we've been hearing more and more focus on at the National Pork Board is creating long-term demand and helping create more connections to pork. And I think it's really neat to see how pork producers are, are getting out there and doing that on their own. And we've got a story up this week on Pork Business about two producers who are doing it in two different ways. One of those is um, going to the actual um, retailers and going to the food service folks and inviting those people to come out to their farm. So um, the Horde family, Philip Horde, um, their approach is simply like, why don't we want to be better connected to them? And they feel like one of the best ways to do that is to bring those retailers right back to the farm where they can get into the barns and see how they're doing thing and ask and ask questions because that gap is there that we need to figure out how to how to minimize but I also love the approach that um, Jess Stevens is taking where they sell pork directly to the consumer off of their farm and basically it's it's a trust system where people can come into their driveway and use the honor system to check themselves out and grab whatever meat that they need for the day and take off and it's working for them, but two very different ways to drive demand.
1: Two very different ways toward the same goal. Uh, we'd love to see some more pork demand, and anything that growers can do to encourage that is uh, is outstanding and worth a note. Jennifer Scheck from Farm Journal's Pork, thanks for starting off the day sure. with us. Thank Coming you. Coming up, we've got Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney, the Friday free for all. Let's start with those unemployment numbers and uh, see where that gets
4: us.
5: AgriTalk is brought to you
1: by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per
5: acre.
1: Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson. Chip is out today, you may have noticed. He's uh, not around. He's off doing a thing. Don't worry about it. He'll be back on Monday morning first thing. Everything's fine. He's doing a thing. He's okay. He's all right. Um, But I'm still here. Thanks for noticing. And I've got, uh, let's start with the Alberta Breeze. Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Good morning, sir. How are you?
0: Hey, Davis. I'm doing great. I'm a little bit disappointed that the World Series is over, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's been a really, really busy week news wise. So looking forward to the conversation today.
1: Absolutely, it has. And uh, pro-farmer policy OG, Jim Wiesmeyer, good morning.
6: Good morning. I note that the Texas team used to be the Washington Senators.
1: See, now I'm...
0: Really? This is,
6: yes.
1: this is why I brought you both in early. Go ahead, get the sports ball talk out of the way. Apparently some new champion has been crowned of some sort. <laughs> I'm I don't into. know what's going on.
5: <laughs> Go. 11 road wins? Crazy. Is 11 that- road wins? Yeah, yeah. they are
6: Quite a team. Yeah. And yeah. they almost won their division, right? It's not like they were like a super wild card, right, Sean?
0: I agree with you. They, they, yeah. they filtered in, I think it was August, where they really had a really, really tough stretch. Um, but you know what? Honestly, I was cheering for the D-backs, but uh, I'm so happy for Bruce Bochy to, you know, kind of pushed out because he isn't big into analytics in San Francisco, takes a couple years off, gets kind of the fire back under him, and comes back for one more run, and you know, what a great story. He just, you know, he is a legend in baseball.
1: Yes. Well, let me ask you and this. I had
6: some good home run players.
1: I'm I'm coming to you from Royals country. I don't think I need to tell you that the Royals uh, finished last in their division this year as well. I don't know about the year before last year, but this is two years in a row now. Um, dude, it was so exciting. They won a World Series, and then it all got kind of not so good since then. Do the Rangers have that same thing to look forward to? Is that a thing? You win the World Series and then then well, you struggle it, for a few years? Put,
0: put it the other way, Davis. You know, mm-hmm. both these teams, like the two years, the last two years, I think uh, the Rangers lost 95 games last year, maybe 94 uh-huh. the year before. The, the D backs two years ago lost 110 games. Wow. Right. So mm-hmm. these are both two stories where they were very quick turnaround. So there's hope for the Royals yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Thank you. There is hope. Yes. For the Royals, and Texas yes.
6: did not have one homegrown pitcher, by the way. They 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 got them from elsewhere.
1: Mm, yeah, They
6: know how to pick players. That's Evidently. what it told me.
1: Yeah.
6: Well, um, with anyway, World on to the topics.
1: Indeed, on yeah. to the topics. Yeah. Um, employment numbers. I'm just going to hit a couple of bullet points here. Employment numbers point to an economy that's losing steam. Weakest job growth since January twenty twenty one. And ING Economics uh, chimes in, Soft Jobs Report reinforces the message that the Fed's work is done. Um, Jim, unemployment numbers.
6: Well, let's look what the mar- – I agree with that, and let's see what the market's saying. Now, based on the CME Fed Fund's uh, you know futures in December, overwhelming probability in, in December and January is no change, and you don't get the odds for a cut until the May meeting next year
0: yeah right. yeah and and for those of you that have been waiting for that unemployment number to start to creep up to you know sig- give a bit of a signal to the Fed that their time is done you you the last couple job reports you you've been in the winning camp um mm-hmm. it, you know it, you tie on top of that we're seeing a global shipping uh container company Maersk is you know they made an announcement that they're laying off like 10,000 people on their staff because of uh the the shipping boom being over and real cutting of rates. So there's a bit of a grinding, slowing down here, which definitely gives the Fed reason to uh, pause like they did this week. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Jim, I've got a comment here from Megan Hornman, chief investment officer at Verdant's Capital Advisors. Uh, She says, quote, the Fed meeting is behind us. We can now look forward to some of the economic data and see if that confirms the Fed can stay on hold. And she uses this word indefinitely. Um, does, do these employment numbers, does this employment rate, does this, uh, speak to what, what Ms. Hornman is talking about? Jim? I think
6: so. Wells Fargo economist had the good line. There's less need to squint to see that the jobs market is cooling. Uh I think that says it right there. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think we're, we're getting the, you know, the fed is always data dependent. Okay. But the follow through is going to have to occur, but I think it will.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm well let's let's stick with the economy here just a little bit i have been sort of concerned for the commercial real estate sector um earlier this week we reported commercial real estate lending experiencing a significant decline historically low levels uh poses several risk here including the likelihood of defaults on expiring debt and a notable drop in new construction projects how big a deal is uh is the commercial real estate sector and how uh, how much impact could that have on the general economy Jim?
6: Well that was always the other shoe to fall. We haven't right. seen it uh fall yet, but uh I think it's unavoidable from all these uh office uh you know buildings in in cities uh so yeah I think there's some merit to that.
0: Is, yeah, if, there... if if you're somebody that is holding a ton of commercial real yeah. estate, you're yeah. coming out of the pandemic uh, between it, you know the hybrid work environment, co- companies going fully virtual. There is a vacant. You know, if you drive into any of the major cities in the U.S., you you see a lot of vacancy, um, mm-hmm. you know, lease available, buy or sell. Like I, 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 I was in Provo, Utah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, a couple big, big former head offices in, in sort of a business park area, you know, for lease or sale, uh, completely empty, and uh, that that you got to have some cash to sustain that. You know, when you don't even have a renter,
6: yeah, yeah. and it, it'll be eventually bought, but at much lower values. And two, what a, a lot of the general public does not understand is that to convert an office building to residential is not that easy and it's very costly. So mm-hmm. that's why the whole sector is going to be adjusted lower in, 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 in order to turn that around.
0: Yeah, and the, the worst projects are one that were built, like we're a building, you know, rising construction costs leading into the pandemic. So like having a 20 year old building, it's it probably paid for, like you're more concerned about the upgrade and the you know, reconstruction costs at some point but if you if that building's relatively fresh pre-pandemic you are really underwater on that thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely right. And then one wonders, well, okay. So, let's get creative and do something else with those spaces. Jim, you mentioned the the expense in uh, converting a say an office building into a residential building into apartments and whatnot. So, what else do we do with those do we find something else to do with these these buildings and these spaces before the market turns around or do we just ride out and see who's left standing at the end, Jim?
6: Uh, It's usually a combination of uh, residential on top and, and uh, you know, various businesses on the bottom like we've seen historically in in cities and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just going to take a lot lower prices in in order to get that done.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I may need to, you know, convert some of my 10-story skyscrapers into laser tag instead of office spaces. I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems like there's there's an opportunity there. Somehow there's got to be. Um, not a whole lot of time in this segment. First, Jim, I'm going to throw it back to you here. What do we know about uh, the Senate on Tuesday confirmed Treasury Secretary Jack Lew as a new U.S. ambassador to Israel? Let's use this as a springboard into our Israel conversation. What do we know about Jack Lew, Jim?
6: Oh, my goodness. He used to be Chief of Staff uh, mm-hmm. for uh, Biden. I mean for Obama, uh, sorry, he's well known in Washington. Uh, he's uh, a Jewish himself. I think overall he's he's a fair individual, although he got into trouble with some of the Republicans on the deal with the Iran. So uh, but we we do need an ambassador because obviously their uh, Israel is at war with. Hamas. So uh, I think it was needed.
1: Does choosing Lou specifically give us any insight into what the Biden administration may be thinking longer term on this this Israel-Hamas conflict?
6: Well, you would hope so, but boy, they've been mired in so many uh, uh singular uh issues lately and uh after uh president uh biden initially did a pretty good job on the uh the uh war uh between hamas and uh uh, and Israel, he has he is flip-flopped in a couple of uh, areas, and it's a sensitive uh, uh, issue here. I don't think you can tell Israel what to do and how to do it, but the administration is trying to. In fact, Secretary of State Blinken is over there trying to uh, urge a, cease, uh, a ceasefire. But uh, Israel history shows that if you do that, the, the, that, that's not the right strategy from their perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Israel really pushed back on. You know, we'll we'll do what we have to do this week. Um, so it, I agree, Jim. It doesn't really look like you know level of influence. There's influence, but uh, they're going to make their own decision, which uh, doesn't necessarily create any sort of ceasefire in the near term.
6: Yeah, you know, you got to ask if if uh, the internet and all these groups were around in World War II, whether or not it would. Uh, Two,
1: we're going to start there. What if there was the internet?
5: Time for markets now with the experts from pro farmer
1: and joining us now pro farmer editor brian grady brian take us to the corn market we've got some strength going buddy
2: yeah, uh, corn is reacting to the uh, the big move up in soybeans and soy meal. Uh, those two have been the price leaders, and, and uh, because of that, we're seeing some corrective trade in the uh, corn market, like you mentioned. Now, uh, beans technically strong, and they got another daily export sale this morning, unknown destination, so some fundamental support uh, in addition to the technical-based buying. But uh, uh, soybeans and meal continue to be the leaders, and, and uh, everything else is pretty much following, the exception being... Uh, Soy oil and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the dollar is nearly a thousand points lower here at mid morning Uh, that's in reaction to the the non farm payroll numbers this morning uh, which indicate that the the Fed is probably at the end of its uh, uh, tightening cycle and uh, as a result uh, heavy pressure on the dollar which is helping out the grain and soy markets.
1: Well, and we don't talk much about the stock market, you and I, but I've got the uh, I got the Dow, I got the S and I've got the Nasdaq all up this morning. Is that in response to the jobs report?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, those, the outside markets are reacting to mm-hmm. the uh, to the jobs numbers this morning. Yep.
1: Uh, the cattle market isn't quite sure what to do with the mixed trade in the live and feeders.
2: Yeah, uh, so live cattle are are mixed, just waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. We have seen uh, selling pressure start to build here at mid-morning in the feeders because of the strength in corn. So as corn has extended its gains, uh, we've seen the the feeder cattle see a little bit heavier selling pressure and now trading moderately to sharply lower. And uh, slight to moderate losses in the hog market, pulling back from those just strong gains that we've seen over the past two weeks in that market.
1: Indeed, that's pro-farmer editor Brian Grady for Markets Now on Agritalk.
5: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From
4: powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of farm Journal broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to Agritalk.
0: Well, and here's the good news, everybody. You are
1: listening to Agritalk. In fact, you're tuned right now on your favorite agricultural radio station or your preferred digital device. Thanks so much. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip's out today. He'll be back Monday. Don't worry about it. He's fine. Uh, And let me bring back in our panelists. The free-for-all is underway. Sean Haney from Real Ag Radio. Hello, sir. And Jim Wiesmeyer, pro-former policy OG. Um, Jim, before the uh, pursuit of commerce so rudely cuts you off, you were about to make some point about the Internet and World War II. Can Can we follow that rabbit trail just a little bit? What do you got?
6: Yeah. I think a, a lot of people in my age bracket uh, would are openly wondering how World War II could have uh, played out perhaps differently had the Internet been around, because they would have challenged uh, uh, most, if not everything, the, Western, the U.S. and our Western allies did. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you're seeing unfold in, uh, in the Hamas-Israel uh, thing where mm-hmm. it's just you just got to pull your hair out that uh, this is what war is all about it is not good to see it's mm-hmm. ugly mm-hmm. and we're seeing it it's
3: not yeah, that's, pretty. That, it's that's, not that's cool. an
0: interesting thought jim right we we you know now we see like you know documentaries like you know world war ii in color and it's 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 so it feels so long ago and, and so far away. But, you know, it's relatively recent, you know, in in the context of time. You wonder if we had daily images like we're able to do today back then, how how people would have it was easier to control the propaganda train. Right. At, at that yeah. time, because you
5: really yeah, just, just
6: ask the New thought. York Times rel- relative to their holocaust uh lack of reporting there mm. that's based on history where they held back by the way yeah. they don't have a good history on well the and
1: then flip the switch in vietnam as i understand jim check my history on this but flip the switch and the american public began to see some of those combat images and were um less than impressed
6: that's that that's that... a uh, a prudent thing to bring out Ab- yeah. absolutely yes yeah.
4: All right,
0: um... but it but it also works the other way too. Right where we where we should be, sorry Davis, where we yeah, should no. be concerned about the other side. Mm-hmm. And it w- when we do see some of the images and some of the videos, it, it, I think it sort of wakes us up a little bit quicker too to what's happening in other parts of the world and in it not being so so far away and so not a part of our daily lives. Like it, it can really work both ways.
6: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And you always got to repeat Hamas is completely different than Palestine. Extremist, yes, hmm. you know. Yeah. Ha- Hamas are just brutal. They're brutal. They're terrorist. Uh, uh, that's. There's where your two sides. Palestine's, Palestinians, Palestinians. Have been under the the under the gun, if you will, uh, with the, some of the forcefulness of of Israel over the years. Understand that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't condone what Hamas did on October the what, sixth well, or seventh.
1: And I don't know that we Westerners have any idea what it's like to be just a regular Palestinian citizen. I've got a family. I've got a job. I'm going to work every day and yet I live in Gaza City, and there's this whole other subcontext going on. There are tunnels underneath my office building. This is some scary stuff, and I almost feel like Israel is, is willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater to get at these Hamas terrorists. How far are they willing to go? It feels like they want to turn Gaza into a parking lot. Jim, Sean?
6: Well, that that's kind of what they're saying that yeah. they're going to wipe them off. So we're going to see. But the PR is going against them. You can yeah. see that uh, building uh, uh, around the world. And yeah. uh, the, you know, right or wrong, uh, but uh, is it, it, you know both sides have a point, and that's the problem. That mm-hmm. you want to have negotiations before a war, you know, uh, mm. but we didn't.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, here, here in North America, for those of us that have a basement, you know, we we try to have a nice, you know, big screen TV and a nice beer fridge and mm-hmm. maybe a dartboard or a pool table. Those are important things. It's not a bomb shelter. Right. And it's 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 a it's a big difference. It's uh, it's actually hard to get your head wrapped around when you really put yourself in that situation.
6: And we're seeing it bridge into U.S. legislation. Because mm-hmm. you're seeing at on the news, uh, Davis, you you brought up that the House is wanting to go solo on Israel, but they've attached yes. offsetting budget cuts uh, relative to the IRS. The Democrat, only 12 House Democrats voted for that approach. It's not going to go anywhere in the Senate. Uh, Schumer has already said he won't even take it up. So we're at loggerheads at the right, at the same time that the world is wanting leadership on the part of the United States, and they're not getting it for both Israel and Ukraine. So uh, we're, 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 you know, we're dug in a ditch here. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, and it's the multiple front thing, right? Having to deal with multiple large conflict situations at, at, at once. And, you know, if, really heaven forbid, if there was to be one more breakout somewhere else in the world, it, it, it where are the resources to be able to, to, to support all of that mm-hmm. based on the side that you're, you're picking. Um, and, you know, from a like from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, domestically to supply some of those weapons, obviously the, the money question is becoming a bigger deal in in DC around the support of the of these efforts. It it, it it's a real challenge for the U.S. to manage the resources. Mm-hmm.
6: Yes, and you think Absolutely. Russia's Putin doesn't uh, like what's going on here? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. for the first time in months, I didn't have one Russia-Ukraine item in my morning report. <laughs> uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because it's just it's off the news, off mm-hmm. the news.
1: Well, you know, OK, people talk about ooh, the, now that we we could be fighting a, a two front war here eventually down the road here. What it, I mean, it, at this point, it's basically a two front proxy war, right? If we're continuing to fund Ukraine, now we we continue to or now we send some funding for Israel. Am I framing that correctly as we're fighting a two front proxy war here?
6: Well, I think it's more than even a two front. I mean, it should mm-hmm. be multiple front, including all. you know, look what Iran has done with their proxies around the world. We have to deal with that. Look at Egypt. How many billions of dollars do we give Egypt? And yet we're having to to plead with them to 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 open it up for the for the uh, uh, hostages, you know, and just it's just unbelievable. what this shows you how uh, weak this country has become internationally, and that's yeah. not good because no. that's that'll foster other incursions.
1: Yes,
0: yeah, we mentioned World War II. Since World War II, the U.S. has been that stability uh, around the world. Um, and, and so th- this is this this is a, you know I don't want to overstate it. It's just it's a very concerning time on on what what steps the, the U.S. takes and, and how interested it is in continuing to be that stable force. Or does it retreat and and kind of be like what it, what the attitude was pre pre World War One and Two, which was very isolationist and and not being that that stability force around the world? It's it's kind of that sort of fork in the road in some respects.
6: Yeah, you're seeing shades of the isolationist in this country take off in both political parties. By the way,
0: right? Well, like look at the look at the U.S. in World War Two. It kind of to my understanding is it kind of took. <laughs> Japan saying, you know, we're we're gonna go after Pearl Harbor for the US yeah. t- for the, the opinion to change, right? Yep. So the history is 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 keep it in front of your mind.
1: Yeah. What is the what's the word on the street from the Canadian, Sean, on this on this Israel thing? The United States and and Israel have a long standing relationship. Uh I'm I'm unclear on on where Canada stands on this.
0: Yeah, you're kind of right to be. It, 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 that's a really interesting perception, Davis, because it, it's there is a lot of pressure in cabinet both ways in terms of should Canada be saying, you know, we support Israel, uh, which which Prime Minister has said, but there's also pressure inside his cabinet to. Be a peacemaker and say there should be a ceasefire, mm-hmm. which which some people have have really gone after. And and saying that, uh, incur- trying to say there should be a ceasefire is not acknowledging what Hamas really is. And, and so the prime minister has sort of yeah, flip flop and sort of like willy nilly on you know, the fence, not trying to talk about it. I, I think you're exactly correct. It's hard to figure out kind of where this liberal government stands right now on, on this conflict for on a daily basis.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Almost feels like uh, the best thing to do is to hope and pray for peace, knowing full well that these guys are serious. They're going to do what they want to do um, on both sides, Hamas and Israel. Um, you know what? There's. I wanted to talk about, Jim, the whole bundling effect. It, is, is this $14.3 billion supplemental funding bill for Israel not going to pass just because it's a standalone or because of what it wants to do with the IRS funding? And we're, we're short on time.
6: With the IRS funding.
1: Is it? It, It'll
6: eventually come, but it won't be the Senate. You need 60 votes in the Senate. You're not Mm going to get it. So it'll eventually happen. But when, I have no idea.
1: So does a bill that includes this 14.3 and maybe even the same IRS stuff, but also includes funding for Ukraine, for the border, for, for all of that stuff, does maybe something like that get through as long as all the other stuff is piled on with it?
6: I, I, I see eventual whether it's together. I don't see the offsetting of the budget cuts. I just don't. The, the Senate Democrats just will not go along with that. So mm-hmm. but eventually we'll get there. Now, the Republicans have a point on the border. They just not only want more funding, they want policy changes. And that's where the Democrats have drawn a line saying, no, 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 we don't want any policy changes. So, again, both parties are going to have to give. Uh, We're going to see in the next few weeks if that occurs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. We are uh, we're well underway here. We've got a few. You know what? We may need to go lightning round here because they're getting paid 20 bucks an hour to flip burgers at mcdonald's in california how have we not even mentioned this um and others who knows we're going to go lightning round with uh wiesmeyer and haney here on AgriTalk for your friday it's your pal davis michelson so glad you've chosen to spend some time with us we'll be right back after these words with more agri talk
5: to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything
1: You suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Tick tock, tick tock. I want to get to this quick. Um, we need to get into some election stuff just a little bit. The president visited rural America. Senator Chuck Grassley was uh, was uh, displeased with that, rather had some words. Um, Jim, let's start with you. To continue the World War II uh, allegory here, I guess. Is it too harsh to maybe compare President Biden with Neville Chamberlain? And if so, who's our Churchill? That's mm. uh, a tough oh, no, one, right?
6: No, no one comes close to Churchill yeah. now. Well, I mean, no.
1: Who funny. would who would be our modern goofy, <laughs> flawed version <laughs> of that? Though, I mean, is is this a Trump thing?
6: Oh, Trump! No, yeah. well, I think you're you're seeing a resurgence of Trump interest because he wasn't weak. Mm-hmm. I think a, a growing number of Americans sense a weak uh, uh, administration, and they don't like it. So that's yeah. the chance that Trump has to win. At least that's what my ear is 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 hearing.
1: Well, and the quote it, from Gra- Grassley is. Speaking. The quote from Grassley is, I don't think any of us are surprised that a president that's behind in the polls would be kicking off his campaign in rural America. Sean.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and because of Electoral College, he's going to need that, you know, some support from some of those, especially those rural areas that are in some of those those swing states. Indeed, Um yeah i i don't know it's i I, on the churchill question i was just going to say like a big shout out to everybody if you are ever in london england go to the churchill uh war room i don't know if jim's ever done that but that that is something it is a beautiful museum and it is it is it is well worth the trip i've been there actually twice it's it's well worth the trip so
6: well, as far as Biden and Vilsack in Minnesota uh, this week, uh, that was primarily uh, repackaging billions of dollars that was had already been unveiled. And mm-hmm. you know, some Republicans uh, told me that the uh, Biden administration message in in Minnesota, where they went to a, a farm, I think it was Northfield, uh, they neglected the central issues of Minnesota farmers: uh, mm-hmm. renewable fuels, disaster aid effective Mm -hmm. farm bill safety net and some crop insurance changes. Now, if you want to go to farm country, talk those topics.
0: Right. Yeah. He made a weird comment about like, we're investing in the internet and rural electrification. Like (laughs) what? (laughs) Like that is, is that in the top 15 of people in in rural (laughs) Minnesota? Uh, Definitely though, tying into the populist stuff though, because he he talked about how you know four big companies control more than half the market in beef, pork, and poultry. So, like that, that's an issue that I think resonates with some people, definitely in rural Minnesota. So it's kind of a, a yeah, Minnesota but it's
6: issue. it's also a figure that's been around for forty years in the meat yeah. industry. So you know that's that's a populist. Yep, that's yep. A, there's a certain crowd like that. Totally understand. But if you're going to talk farm country issues, talk them yeah. again the need to get corn as an eligible uh commodity for the sustainable aviation fuel. Disaster aid. The, the, don't do the ERP uh for 2022 uh like you announced earlier this week. It's a disaster in itself, the complexity of that thing. And uh the the farm bill. Are we going to have a farm bill?
1: Well I was going to ask uh, you about that, uh, Jim. You know,
6: he he could have blamed bill, he could have yeah. blamed the Republicans well, I don't think I don't think now there's a host of reasons why you're going to have to have an extension, uh, just mm-hmm. the uh, uh, complete uh, yeah, competing work, uh, continuing resolution to not to shut down the government appropriation bills, supplemental bills. Uh, all sorts of things, and then there's there's scuttlebutt that the some House Republicans want to uh, d- to get more money uh, funded for Title One to get at the food stamp program again. Well, th- that stands no chance of getting through of of getting through the Senate. So you just may as well just you know propose the one year farm bill extension and get it over with.
1: It sounds like Speaker Johnson wants to wants to divide up several issues and take them one at a time i'm trying to find the story here jim what am i trying to trying to get to here do you remember well that's
6: the regular rules you know that used to be how congress did things. here we go you know and yeah but you can't as these issues are but it's near the end of the year that you're gonna have to tie some of these things together now what what he has going for him is that i don't think the rebels in his own party uh want to do him a a a away right away okay mm-hmm. so he does have a honeymoon but it's not going to last too long get the ball rolling because you've got some goodwill up there
0: in your own party so Sean, how want- long how long is the honeymoon
1: ooh good question
0: like how long does he have good jim point. till they till they about he- as long as a honeymoon
6: lasts a couple of weeks right <laughs>
0: Yeah. I don't know. You might be honeymooning wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sean, before we run out of time here, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ruled out any further carve outs from the federal carbon tax scheme uh, amid mounting pressure from provinces seeking measures like an exemption on home heating oil announced last week. What do we got here?
0: Yeah, well, the, the Prime Minister's really in trouble in the polls, and he's really concerned about losing some seats in Atlantic Canada. And so he basically did a car vote for Atlanta Canadians and saying you got a three-year exemption on paying the carbon tax when it relates to your home heating. Oof. And basically the rest of the country pound sand. Too yeah. bad. And it's got Saskatchewan, Alberta in particular, extremely upset. It's this, it's the typical divisive politics that this liberal government in Canada they employ. And basically they, one of the Liberal MPs said, well, Western Canada, just elect more Liberal MPs and maybe you'd be heard more. Like, what? what is that? Wow. Uh, it, it's really created a real, uh, you know what, storm here in the past seven days. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Let's get to the real Canadian news. Matthew Perry went to school with Justin Trudeau, and Matthew Perry at one time said he beat him up.
0: <laughs> well, really? When, yeah. Sad loss. Yeah. yeah sad, sad loss for Canada and everybody else. The, the loss of Matthew Perry,
1: for sure. Matthew Perry, um, Chandler from Friends. Yeah, could we could he be any more missed? Sean Haney, uh, thanks for being with us this morning on the Free For All. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, have a great weekend.
0: Yeah, all the best, everybody. Cheers,
1: Jim Weismeyer, pro former policy O.G. Uh, appreciate you, big guy. Uh, always great to talk to you. Have a great day.
0: Sure. USA Rice
6: CEO Betsy Ward is retiring. She was a good person for the rice growers.
1: All right. Well, there's your free-for-all gang. Uh, we'll be back with Dan Huber this afternoon from the Huber Report to, uh, discuss everything. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. Hey, great